So uh, this series is called Black Coffee Theology, and uh, it's built around this thought right here, uh, that there are certain scriptures in the Bible that are bitter. They're hard to swallow. Uh, And so I liken it to uh, black coffee. I'm looking at this mug, and it's got our old logo on it. Only a handful of you guys, Joe McCune. Dwayne, Sharon Peterson, a few others of you guys remember that. Um, but black coffee, it's, it's, it's bitter. It's hard to drink. It's, unless you're me and you love black coffee. Does anyone here love black coffee? I love black coffee. But when you read a scripture in the Bible that you don't like, I'm going to liken it to black coffee because it's a little bit bitter. Let me read you a few scriptures in the Bible that typically people don't like. Um, Here's Matthew chapter 10. Before they put it on the screens, let me kind of lay the scene. Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. And because the kingdom of God is so perplexed, he told a parable, uh, or like a story, to show what the kingdom of God is like. And so he said it like this. He goes, the kingdom of God is like 10 virgins. And they're waiting for their, their groom to, to come back. They're waiting for him. See, in those days, Jew, Jewish culture was, it sounded a lot like this. If, if, uh, if a Jew, what's a good Jewish name? Some guy Jewish name. Good, you're good, you. Levi. So Levi... Uh, goes up to a Jewish girl and he says, look, I want to marry you. And she says yes. And then he goes away to prepare a place for them to live. And after he gets done preparing that place, he comes back and he gets her. And then he brings her to the place that he prepared, which is where we get that scripture when Jesus says, I go away to prepare a place for you. So he's gone to heaven after he died on the cross. He went to the grave. He goes to heaven. He goes to prepare a place for us. When it's ready, he's going to come back and get us and bring us to this place that he prepared. Um, But the the bride maid, the the virgin, the virgin girl in this parable, they're kind of uneasy because he went away to build a house. And so she wants him to hurry up and come back. But the longer he's gone, the bigger the house. Right? So she's like, hurry and come back, but... I would like a walk-in closet, right? So she wants them to come back, but don't come back too soon. But then there's this fine line where it's like, I don't even care about the house anymore. I just want you to come back. And hurry up and come back because I'm sick of waiting. And then he goes, now this is where it gets interesting. He goes, there's 10 virgins. And the groom took longer, is what the Bible says, than the bridesmaids anticipated. And so the five wise virgins, they decided they are going to stay up. They're not going to get weary. They're going to keep on waiting. They keep looking out the window. They got their lamps and it's full of oil. They keep looking out the window. He's not here yet. He's not here yet. But they're waiting any minute, any day, any minute, any day. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. The five foolish, the Bible says that they got tired and went to sleep. They just put it out put out the lamp. They fell asleep. 
And the type and shadow is, is that there's some people that's waiting for Jesus to come back and it's like, today's the day. Nope, it's not. Today's the day. It's been 40 years. Today's the day. We're still saying today's the day. How many of you were raised by parents that had you scared to death that God was going to come every day? Go ahead, raise your hand. Say aye. Yeah. And so like, so you're scared to death, right? We shouldn't be scared to death. We should be excited. Right? We should be excited about it. But I was always afraid. I'm like, you know, if it was a storm outside, I'm like, today is a day. <laughs> Have you ever gone home and you're like, there's nobody home? And you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then you call that one person that you know if God were to come back, they wouldn't be here. <laughs> it's like your grandmother or your aunt, or like if they answer the phone, they go, oh, thank God you answered the phone. <laughs> I don't have anything to talk about. I just thought God came back, you know. <laughs> I know you'd be in heaven, so that's why I called you. Um, well, what am I talking about? This story was so much fun. I forgot what I was talking about. Ten virgins, thank you. So, so these, these five foolish ones, they fell asleep. They got tired of waiting. They fell asleep spiritually. They got distracted, started doing other things. It's like people that are waiting for Jesus to come. They're tired of waiting. Then they just start living another life, just like he'll come when he comes, and I'm sure when he comes, he's going to be happy to see me because he loves everybody, and we're all going to go to happen, you know, but I can live any way I want to live. This is what Jesus says. Get ready for the black coffee. Everybody say, ready? ready. My iPad just said that I got 5%, Brother Dwayne. I got a hard copy of my notes in my office, if you wouldn't mind grabbing it. I love that man right there. Love that mind. It should be on my printer. I print it every Sunday for this moment, and it never happens, but I always print it. And then that one day, right? That one day. Matthew chapter 25, this is what Jesus says about the five unwise versions. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Did they believe in the Lord? Say yes or no. Okay. They believed in the Lord. So just having faith, is that enough? Yes or no? We're about to find out. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back. Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. They believed in him. Right? They just didn't live for him. They didn't honor that relationship at all. Now, this is the part that we call black coffee. This is the part of the Bible that's it's in the Bible. Jesus said it. This is the part where people back up and they go, I don't think I like Celebration Church. I don't think I like that guy. I've had more than one email in this series. On a Monday morning, more than one. This is, this is it. This is it. This is where the rubber meets the road. Watch this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. It, people want the preachers to cherry pick. Right? Don't preach this stuff. Now, Jesus preached it, but we don't want you to preach it. Right? Watch this. 
They will follow their own desires. Everybody say desires real loud on three. One, two, three. Their desires. You can thank you so much, Brother Dwayne. You're a good man. Everybody give him a big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. We'll charge you after uh, service. Their own desires. So they have a desire from God. They, there's, there's things that God wants, but they have other desires. We, now, Jesus likened it to a husband and a wife, right? So if I look at my wife and I'm like, hey, I love you, but I also have a desire to go be with Jennifer. What do you think Allie is going to be thinking about Jennifer? Not good things, right? Not good things. But we want God to be okay with it because we have other desires. Wife, wives in the room. What if your husband comes home and is like, okay, so there's this girl at work. I need you to be okay with this. What? I'll be doing funerals left and right. Their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to go down to this other church over here. The preacher doesn't preach as long. He's got better hair. And I had to, I, I was on staff at Lakewood for three years having to stare at Joel Osteen's curly hair. You know how hard that was? <laughs> I used to have curly hair. I lost it when I was 19, so I had to be bitter for three years. Now you know why I resigned. I'm like, I'm out of here, man. I'm sick of this. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Can we edit that or no? Can we edit? No? <laughs> I knew you were going to say no. Your wife said yes, and you said no. See? Black coffee. So here's the thing. I don't know what, man. You guys got, I'm all, I'm all messed up here. All right, let's dive into this point right here, that there are certain things that we need to embrace about Jesus' personality. Jesus was an offensive preacher. He was very offensive. He offended people left and right. As a communicator, you can feel the crowd and you can tell if they like what they're hearing. Jesus could feel the crowd better than any speaker that has ever breathed. He could feel it. And he offended people left and right. He offended people by, two, by doing two things. Or there was two ways he offended people. He was in, he was, his inclusivity was offensive. And his exclusivity was offensive. Let me talk about his inclusivity. He was inclusive. He embraced all the wrong people. People got upset with him for embracing people that they didn't think he should like. Let me give you a list. Number one is Jesus was not disgusted by the impurity of sinners. Think about that. See, there's a side of me that you don't know. There's a side of you I don't know. And that side of us is, there's a reason why we cover it up. We don't want people to know how despicable a lot of our thoughts are. We don't want people to know how sinful we can be. We don't want people to know that part of our life. God sees all of it. It's kind of like this. If 
this pot right here. You can see how pretty and shiny it is, but let's say on the back it was filthy. And so I would walk around for this pot like this, right? I only want you to see the shiny part. But, but God sees the best of you and the worst of you, and he says, this is my girl. And people were offended by that because they would say, do you know who she is? They were offended by his inclusivity. She's a prostitute. Do you know her track record? Do you know how many guys she's been with? And, and Jesus is like, it's my girl. She's mine. He was so protective over that particular prostitute that many of you know the story. He's so protective over sinners. He's so protective over poor people. He's so protective over children. We shoo them away. He said, come on over here. He, he was offensive. Tax collectors. He was friends with tax collectors. We aren't even friends with tax collectors. <laughs> He was, he was, this is the reason why tax collectors were so hated. They were hired by the Roman government, and they would say, look, we want you to tax these people. We don't care how you do it, just do it and make sure we get our peace. So they would go out, and let's just say they come up to you and they tax you $100. We're going to tax you $100. So the Roman government wants $100. But today, guess what? It's actually $150. 100 for the Roman government, 50 for me. The Roman government, they just wanted their 100. They didn't care how much he was taking. And people knew it. It was common knowledge. So they'd walk up and they would say, okay, I'm here to pay my taxes, but how much is it today? It's not this flat rate. It's what kind of mood that guy is in. And if he likes you, it's just a flat rate 100, but this guy can't stand this guy. It's 200 for you. They hated tax collectors. They were thieves. And Jesus would have dinner with these people. Like, what are you doing? You like poor people. You like sick people. You like sinful people. You like thieves. What are you doing? In fact, his own family showed up. He was inside of a house. They showed up and said, we need to talk to Jesus. The house was full of people. And one of the disciples came up to Jesus and said, hey, your family's out there. And he's like, that's not my family. You know why he said that's not my family? Because the family was telling people outside of the house, hey, we're really sorry about what Jesus is saying. He's lost his mind. Is that what they were saying, Pastor? That's exactly what they were saying. He lost his mind. He offended his family. He offended everybody. In the church world, we will do whatever we got to do to keep you liking us, keep you coming back to church, keep you loving celebration, wear the hat, buy something in the gift store, and make sure you give your offering. We'll do whatever we can do to keep you liking us. Jesus was not like that. He was not like that. Put your hands together for that. Put your hands together. He, he would look out there and say, hey, some of you guys, let's just say he was Southern just for fun. Hey, some of y'all, he goes, your lips honor me. I hear what you're saying. Your lips honor me, but your hearts, they're far from me. In your worship, it's a farce. 
Jesus has a way of seeing the real deal. He looks at a sinner and he says, they're not perfect, but they keep pursuing me. They're mine. And some of you guys are acting like you're perfect, but you're not pursuing me. You're not mine. Thank you for clapping. It it, it tells me I can move on. Let me say, this is his exclusivity. Okay, we talked about him being inclusive. Now we're going to talk about him being exclusive. He excluded people and that offended people. He included people that offended people. Now he's going to exclude people and it's going to offend people. Here we go. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way your own way, your own way, your own way, take up your cross and follow me. So what is he saying? He's saying this. He's saying, hey, look, I know, I know there's things about me that you like. I know, I know there is. And, and that's why you're listening to me. Nobody put a gun to your head and made you come out here and listen to me. Because I know there's things about me that you like. This is the sweet scriptures, the scriptures that we put on magnets and put on our refrigerator. Love bears all things with a teddy bear. <laughs> right? It's true. Am I right? It's true. He goes, I know there's some sweet things about me, like sweet coffee that you like. He says, but there's going to be things that I like that you don't like. And you don't pick your way anymore. My son told me, he goes, Daddy, I've been listening to part one of coffee, part two of coffee. I keep waiting for you to do it, waiting for you to do it. You're not doing it. You're going to have to do a part three and do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you got to take both coffees and mix them together Because they're the same thing. It's coming from the same Bible. I'm like, you're 11, man. If he was older, I wouldn't have a job. We're going to send him away to college. That's what we're going to do. Far away. I need to keep my job a little bit longer. Black coffee. Let's read another scripture. His exclusivity goes, if you you don't want to give up your own way, you're not a part of me. You want to call me Lord, but you don't want to give up your own way? See, there's going to be things that you want to do that the Holy Spirit tells you isn't right. If you are not married, but you're living together, look, you know in your heart that that's not right. The good news is, I do weddings. I do them all day long. Did two last week. Rice and the bubbles, the whole thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. We do good weddings here. When you know that there's something in your life that's not right, and you say, I'm going to do my own way. That means you are your God. Jesus isn't your God. You are serving your desires. You're not serving his desires. This is the black coffee. Some of y'all I'll never see again because of this. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Raise your hand if you already know it's difficult. My hand is, I got both hands up. It is very difficult. You know how many times a day I want to say something or do something that God doesn't want me to do? About a zillion. Especially when I'm in my truck. Especially. I am surrounded by idiots that can't drive 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I want to say so many things to them. And some of the time, I don't. (laughs) Every day, the road is difficult, but you have to choose. Here we go, Matthew chapter 7, verse 18. A good tree produces good fruit. What if I say it's a good tree, but it doesn't produce good fruit? Your lips honor me, but your heart doesn't. That's a good tree. I'm looking at a dead tree. It's a good tree. I'm looking at a dead tree. This tree produces great fruit. I'm looking at a dead tree. See, we get caught up. What if I take that tree and put it right here in the sanctuary? And that tree has perfect attendance. 52 Sundays out of 52 Sundays. And I said, this is an awesome tree. It's here at church every single day. It's like it's producing no fruit. I'm around that tree Monday through Saturday. Is this okay? Is this okay? This is Jesus talking, by the way. Verse 19, for every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down, thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. I'm a Christian. You are? Look, who's smarter, you or God? If somebody calls them a Christian, calls themselves a Christian, are you smart enough to look at them and go, <laughs> no, you're not. You are. Because you can look at their fruit. You can listen to the way they talk. You can listen to, you, you can just look right at them, watch their life and like, geez, you know, I'm not trying to judge you, but I'm just telling you that your fruit is not there. So if you and I can see it, do you think he can see it? There's a reason why you keep coming to the, back to this church because I, I, I'm passing your smell test. <laughs> right? You come in here, you look at me, you size me up for 30 minutes, and you just... And you decide whether or not you think I'm the real deal or not. Am I right or not? You sit there and you look at me, you size me up, and you're like, yeah, he's the real deal, I'll come back. Or you look at me and you're like, I don't know him, something's not right. Am I right or not? When you're watching preachers on TV, are there some preachers you're like, I'm with this guy, yeah, absolutely. There's other guys like, yeah, right. <laughs> so if you, have, if you have a golden nose... And you can smell it. Don't you think God can too? That's right. Amen. Right? It's like something's not right here. Something's not right. 
See, God is not looking for perfection. I don't think you guys expect me to be perfect. But you do expect me to pursue. Right? You, you expect to look at me and say, I don't think he's perfect. I can tell you right now he's not perfect. I've been to more than two services and he's not, he's not perfect. But that dude is serious about pursuing God. God is the same way. He doesn't look at you and go, okay, that's three this morning and it's already nine o'clock, okay? He doesn't look at you and judge you that way. He looks at you and sees your pursuit. You are serious about pursuing him and everybody has an Achilles heel. See, there's a huge difference between weakness and wickedness. And wickedness is when your lips honor him, but your heart is far from him. Let me read something. Let me move to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We casted demons out in your name, performed miracles. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? They're preaching and people are getting healed. People are walking in demon possessed and they're leaving free. But the Lord's looking at me and goes, yeah, I gave you that gift. I gave you that gift. You didn't earn that gift. I gave you that gift. But your heart has never been mine. That's like me giving my son a lawnmower and he mows the grass and he shows up and he goes, clearly you can see I love you. I mowed the grass. I'm like, I saw you mowing that grass. You were cussing the whole time. <laughs> Talking about how much you hate. This isn't fair. I'm such a jerk. I'm a jerk dad. This isn't fair. I was watching you. I was looking out the window. You're cussing at me the whole time. And you come in here and it's like, you see what I did? Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I saw you. I saw you. I saw you rebuking demons. I saw you preaching. I saw you doing all that. You were never mind. I watched the whole thing. You had your little pretty suit on with 17 buttons. You're not mine. Have you ever had somebody in your family quote like 17 scriptures to you? And you're like, you're so full of it. You don't want to raise your hand because they might be sitting next to you. <laughs> what, how do you know they're full of it? Because of the fruit. Because of the fruit. See, you can say something in judgment or you can say it in love and the love is the fruit do you feel love do you feel fruit if i'm doing a good job this morning you're sitting here and you can feel me love you and be for you if i'm doing a bad job this morning you feel like you're not welcome here and i'm mad at you and i'm angry at you now i'm doing a bad job but if I'm doing a good job, you can sense that I love you. 
I hope you sense that because I do. Let me read this to you. Actually, let me close with this illustration. So I got a, a anyone here, you're more of a tea person than a, than a coffee person? Raise your hand. Let me see who you are. Absolutely. So um, say uh, I got this tea, this tea bag, and I got a glass of water. And now some, I, some of us, when we drink tea, you kind of go like this, right? Raise your hand if you've ever seen somebody do this, right? You, you like tea. You like the taste of tea. Just don't want too much of the tea, right? So you're going to try to like trying to figure out how much of it do I want, right? I don't want. Now there's other hardcore tea drinkers. The tea bag goes in the cup first, and then you drown it with water. You're like, go ahead, change color. That's I'm gonna wait for you to ch- change color and be strong about it. You with me? want it all give it all and then before (laughs) i can't believe i forgot about this i just remembered it just now and then and then before you get rid of the tea bag you take it out you take your fork and you press it against the side of the cup and squeeze it all out linda you're english i know you do this she's she's from london They, they they put tea inside of baby bottles (laughs) you squeeze it out because you want all the tea you can get out of it see people that do this they just just want they want to determine how much they get I want it in there but I don't know if I want it to change color or not well if it changes color I don't want it to change too much and that's, that's oftentimes how we pr- approach. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to, Jesus, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to celebrate Christmas. That's for darn sure. Right? And I'm going to, I want some of it. I don't know if I want all of it. Definitely don't want, Jesus is like this, look. I want you to be completely transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want you to be completely transformed. I want you to think completely different. And you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You begin to think different about why you're here on this earth. You begin to think different about who your God is. You begin to think different about the whole word serve. I will serve you with my life. You begin to think different. You are my savior. You died on the cross for me. All this stuff about me that nobody knows about, you know about it, and I should be paying for that because I've got some filthy sin. And and you, you wash me of all this sin that nobody else knows about that I work really hard on covering up. You wash me of all that. I am so thankful. I just want you to know, I'm no, I know I'm never going to be perfect, but I'm going to pursue you for the rest of my life. None of this, bow your head. I don't want anybody to know that I'm raising my hand. 
I want you to know I'm raising my eyebrow. I got two hands and a foot up. I'm going to serve them for the rest of my life. Now, I, I say bow your head and close your eyes because probably over I'll probably do it forever. It's more out of habit than anything else. I want you to feel like you have some privacy. But I need you to say, I don't need the privacy. I'm going loud with this. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. I'd like our prayer partners to come down if they would. I tell you, I am so proud of celebration. I'm so proud of our church. I'll tell you why. While I'm speaking, I can I can sense that some of you are like, I don't like it, but keep giving it to me. That's a sign of maturity. We have a very mature church, and I'm so proud of that. I really, really am. I'm so proud of that. I really am. We have a mature church. We have a church that's serious about the things of God. We don't just play church. We come to worship Him. Am I right? And say yes. Let me ask you a question. If your heart were to stop beating, because we don't know when it's going to stop. It's a muscle. If it were to stop beating, right? in the next five minutes. Are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? The answer is no. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? Go ahead, raise your hand. See, hands are going up all over the room. Can we all just raise both hands right where we are? It's a sign of surrender. That's all it is. It's an outward expression of how you're feeling on the inside. Repeat after me with a raised voice. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for my sins. I love you so much. For the rest of my life, I will serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason why our prayer partners are down here, um, and the Bennetts, you guys need to be prayer partners. My Lord, come on down here. significant in your life that's hard. The Lord's intent was not that you would bear that by yourself. The Bible says, come to me, come to me, those of you who are heavy burdened. It actually says weary and heavy burden. I don't know if you've ever been exhausted, tired, I have. And I will give you rest. So I don't want you to look around and wonder who else is going to come pray. I want you to come out of your seat and take 30 seconds and pray with a prayer partner. Every time you pray, the tide of the battle changes. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.